0: Check, check. Buret, check. Hello! My name is Kathleen.
1: And I'm Edu.
0: And this is Film the Film, a podcast where we talk about Filipino movies from then till now. From timeless classics to timeless comics.
1: This week, we'll be talking about Alex Arumpak's Aswang, a 2019 documentary about the drug war by President Duterte in the Philippines,
0: yes, mm-hmm. it is only an hour and a half, an hour less. And- it's
1: an hour and twenty-four minutes, yes, and that's with the credits.
0: And yet, it is one of the movies that I have the most notes on.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. In- it's a pretty intense movie, just because like it's a documentary. It's based on real things that affect us in some ways as filipinos
0: well yeah you know definitely and it's really i would say that this documentary is showing us Mm -hmm. what is happening rather than really like i don't know like i I think it it does tell a narrative and yet Mm -hmm. for the most part i also think like it's it's really like illustrative and it's up to you as the viewer to kind of Take away what you can take away from it. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, essentially, we are flies on the wall.
0: It's, yeah,
1: it's that kind of documentary. wherein in. Yeah, it doesn't really, you know, explain too much about certain things. I mean, yeah, it does give give like certain background on like what the drug war is and who the president is and you know what's happening, but. For the most part it just you know just shows us what's happening yeah and then it's yeah as you as you said it it's up to us to come up with like okay how do we feel about it what do we take away from it
0: yes and so that being said everything that we're going to be talking about in this podcast are mine and edu's views on this documentary so obviously Mm -hmm. we recommend you go watch it and come up with your own thoughts and opinions
1: yeah definitely but before that before we get into all the fields all the sadness yes because it's it's a really sad documentary i mean for me and yes for you as well
0: very i would say watch it knowing that you will see a lot of deaths yeah
1: it's it's trigger warning it's definitely a trigger warning kind of Movie. so if you are not up for seeing a lot of death
0: reality we're yeah.
1: like you know not, not just like movie deaths but like actual deaths uh it's not for the yeah. not
0: for the faint hearted
1: definitely definitely So before we get into that, we're going to talk about some light things.
0: Yeah, before we get into all the depressing things, we just wanted to lighten things up. And so I came up with the question of Mm -hmm. what is bringing us joy today? Ooh, What's bringing us
1: joy today? Um, Edu,
0: what is bringing you joy today?
1: Oh, today. Well, seeing your new haircut is one of those things
0: thanks yeah i do like my haircut it is also bringing me joy Mm -hmm. um i'm trying
1: to think i guess like you know uh work today was pretty good it was a pretty good day it's sunny outside
0: feeling a little bit more like summer
1: yeah definitely it's It's gonna be warmer tomorrow like 15 degrees warmer wow yeah
0: wait 15 degrees. degrees warmer than it was today yes what
1: it's going to be 77 degrees tomorrow.
0: Oh my God. At the highs at least, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, it is summer.
1: Mm-hmm. It's not summer yet.
0: No, mm-hmm. but I mean, yeah. Yeah.
1: The, I get what you're saying though.
0: Feels like summer.
1: Yeah. And other than
0: that, um,
1: yeah, you know, just life in general is bringing me joy, I guess.
0: That's great. Yeah. Huh?
1: yeah. And, you know just being here hanging out with you doing this podcast
0: thanks yeah Yeah. this podcast definitely is bringing me joy this is really great that we are getting to talk about Mm -hmm. this documentary and all these different movies that i haven't seen before It's, it's pretty fun yeah yeah how
1: about you what's bringing you joy
0: yes I already know what to talk about, okay. and you already know what I'm going to be talking about. Yep. This past week, Lil Nas X, mm-hmm. <laughs> little, little, Lil, I can, I Lil cannot. Nas X, <laughs> released
1: a new single slash and music video that that goes along with this sig- with this single.
0: It is called Montero. Call me by your name.
1: Yeah, uh, and.
0: It is a banger.
1: Yep. It's a great song. Yeah. And when Kat first made me watch the video and listen to the song, I was like, oh, like, yeah, this is a really good song.
0: This is a really good song and it has not left my brain.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It is it, living in my brain rent-free Yeah, for it's, the past three days.
1: It's very catchy. It's got all the right things going for it. And the music video is fire it's fire it's just literal it's, fire it's like if tumblr came to life
0: oh interesting
1: kind of thing kind of it's it, it, that if,
0: if the uh, biblical uh, references so within tumblr came so to like life? it's like it's like if
1: <laughs> tumblr um the bible and lisa frank had a child it would be this video
0: <laughs> yes it is very visually interesting. Yeah. I will give you that.
1: If you haven't seen it, just just do a search. Lil Nas X Montero, call me by your name.
0: If you haven't seen it, where have you been? <laughs> I mean, I, I get
1: why some people wouldn't have seen That's it. That's true.
0: But you know, if, Go if, see it.
1: You know, if you're, you know, in an older age bracket, you tend to not see a lot of like the new stuff, just because it's just how it is when you get older. You don't. Get to hear a lot of the new songs, and so you get into that whole like "get off my lawn" kind of thing. But yeah, this song is like really good. So if you're you're not the type to go out and look for songs, and you just you just want recommendations, I would recommend this song. It's, pretty, it's really good.
0: You know what's bringing me even more joy what's up? than this song?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All the memes that uh. the internet. <laughs> has come up with that is true regarding this song. Yeah. And this video.
1: Yeah. I love that Lil Nas was like, oh, I swear to God, if I don't get connected to some Illuminati conspiracy theory bullshit, I'm 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 rioting cause I worked hard for this video. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I think you know twerking on Satan kind of puts you at a uh, You know, Mm -hmm. a very interesting position to be either made fun of or criticized. But you know, exactly. Either way, it's controversial and it's great. Mm -hmm. It's getting people talking.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: I mean, the thing is, like,
1: I well, I don't find it controversial. I'm sure there are people there who would be, but when I was like, like, "Oh yeah, this is pretty cool," it's pretty. And (laughs) that part about where he was twerking Satan, I actually found kind of funny.
0: It is really funny. (laughs)
1: Like, oh, like yeah.
0: All right, he's just going to twerk on Satan. That's yep. great. Also, going to sing about cocaine and drinking with your friends as are you the sure main... It's
1: not, are you sure it's not jerking with your friends?
0: I... no. No? Okay. No. Only Only weird people do that.
1: Jerking with your friends?
0: Don't do that.
1: Yeah. Uh, don't do that. I know a lot of you boys in high school do that. Don't do that. It's weird. Yeah. It's like down the line when you grow up. You're gonna have to explain that story to your other friends and like why you did that and it's gonna be weird and you don't you do not want to have that conversation and before you even say it no i did not do that i just know a lot of people who did and when they were telling me that story i was like dude what the fuck
0: i don't know how we got to jerking with your friends but now you know
1: Little Nosex, that's how all right All right. I guess we should just get into this movie, huh?
0: We should. It's going to be so depressing. So brace yourself if you're listening to this.
1: All right. This is your uh, warning. If you do not want to feel sad, feel free to, I guess, move on to our next episode.
0: Yeah. Our next episode is going to be so much lighter than this. It's an actual, it's a comedy. It's a horror comedy and it's going to be so great. This one, though, I will say, even though it is sad, it is necessary to talk about.
1: Exactly, yeah. And that's why we're doing it.
0: Yes, exactly. And so, yeah. Um, Do you want to kind of give a little bit more context as to, you know, like, I would say Duterte and the drug war in general in the Philippines? I feel like you might be a little you might be able to explain this a little bit better than i can
1: okay sure so um okay president duterte was elected 2016 same year that trump was elected so this was around the time where a lot of strong men were being elected into positions of power so it wasn't just quote
0: unquote strong
1: yeah quote unquote strong men you know more Uh, like
0: fascist men
1: yeah so a lot of them were being elected into positions of power or were being elevated in some way, shape, or form. And that's how we, we got like four years of Trump. And we're still under the presidency of Duterte. But anyway, yeah. So 2016, Duterte was elected as president. So his campaign promise was that he would fight a war against drugs. And prior to that, President Duterte was known as mayor of Davao City. And there were these... Things called Duterte death squads. And so these death squads would go around, yeah, basically like vigil- vigilantes killing criminals, mostly drug pushers, drug users. It was like very violent. But then, like, that sort of thing appealed to people because, like, oh, yeah, he's taking drugs seriously because he's killing all the drug addicts, killing all the drug users, and so, and killing all the drug pushers as well. And so, yeah, that that appealed to a lot of people, and they, and just this, this idea of discipline, quote unquote. So,
0: why, in particular, do you think that at this time, that a war on drugs policy resonated with a lot of people?
1: Um, I think there's this whole idea that a lot of the the root of the crime in the philippines is because of drugs specifically shabu and you know shabu, like, shabu is, is crystal meth yeah yeah and so that uh you know that narrative has been pushed around a lot and like a lot more so in like in the years leading up to duterte and the thing is though is that with the war on drugs the reason duterte pushed for that was because that's what that's what he was known for in Davao.
0: So, now that Duterte is president, right? Like, in 2016, he was elected. How exactly did he go about fulfilling his campaign promise on the war on drugs?
1: Yeah, so it became, like, a very violent war on drugs. You know, it wasn't just, oh, you know, when Reagan did the war on drugs, it, it wasn't like, oh, here's the here DEA, here's, like, a lot of money, here's a lot of funding. Go ahead and, like, do all these raids and all that stuff. It was more about like empowering like not just police officers but even like people who may or may not even be cops. He would be telling them, "Oh, if you see a drug drug user, don't, you know, if you want to shoot them, don't even like think twice to shoot them. I'll take care of it." kind of thing. Basically it gave them like, you know, like full access to their firearms just like just shoot. Immunity. Yeah, basically. It's like, think of it as like qualified immunity, but even like more than that kind of thing. Yeah. You know.
0: I guess one of the things that was in this documentary, and I don't know if we should talk about this now or I'll just bring it up now. Yeah. Um. It sounds to me like, even though Duterte said all these things, It's not, like, about, you know, feel free to kill a drug user or report them if you, you know, know of one. It's not, like, it doesn't sound like the government supports this, even though the president does. Mm. Or, like, maybe the government is, like, the administration is, like, trying to kind of separate themselves because...
1: They were just getting a lot of bad press, for sure. But, you know, for the most part, they were, you know, like, a lot of them, like, were kind of buying into it. Like, these people who were siding with the president. So that's one. And some people who, you know, spoke up were actually sent sent to jail. (laughs) Like, so, like, uh, Senator Leila De De Lima, who was the former head of the Commission on Human Rights she was accused of selling drugs. I think she was connected to like some sort of like drug ring. And so she was sent to jail and like, there was no like proof or anything like that. It was like a sham of a court case kind of thing. And it was, and it's just like, I would recommend like people look it up because like there's even a sex tape involved. And so it was kind of fucked up and yeah. And so in a lot of ways, so the, the drug war, no, that that's on on the face, that's on one level, that's what it is. Like, you know, it's like a way to like show strength, show power, to oppress. And it was also a way of showing to uh, his political rivals that hey, don't fuck with me, because I can do, you know, I can just like
0: make you disappear
1: yeah I, I can i can get you killed and then i can just chalk it up to oh it was part of the drug war kind of thing and so that's really like for me that's really the reason for it the drug war it wasn't so much to uh kill all the drug users kind of thing it's to impose fear yes onto, onto the populace onto the population so
0: yeah no, I agree with that for sure. And I would say that this documentary does touch upon that Definitely. Yeah. aspect of fear. Mm-hmm. We can kind of transition to talking about
1: the documentary The documentary? Yeah.
0: Because I think we're we're starting to get there. Um I would say maybe we should do like a the structure of the documentary first and then kind of yeah talk about it yeah sure and so one of the interesting things about this documentary is it's um kind of like pieces of information just displayed onto mm-hmm. <laughs> the yeah. the documentary and so one of the recurring um aspects is there is this voiceover yeah. Um. That kind of explains about Aswangs, you know, like yeah. the documentary is titled Aswang and how it likens the fear of people hearing, knowing, and, you know, I guess their fear of Aswangs and their fear that people have about the police coming to kill them. Right. And so, that was that. That to me was like a really interesting comparison. Yeah. Because, yeah, like I think that the more that they they talked about it, the more that the voiceover talked about it, the more it made sense to me. How? Yeah, like uh, there's this fear that is being instilled. Into the population, as you mentioned, with this drug war. Yeah. The same fear that is being instilled in the population, the more they tell stories about Aswang, Yeah. The more fear you have around something, the more, I guess, like, people either try to not necessarily, like, avoid the topic, but, like, they lose the courage to kind of face the situation, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, no, totally.
0: And so, yeah, I think it's it's a really good way of talking about what's happening. Yeah. Another, I guess, way that they structured this documentary is there is this recurring narrative of a few specific people that they follow.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, one of the people that they follow is this, at the like, the one of the very first scenes, I think they established that he's kind of like a photographer slash journalist.
1: Yes, yeah, a photojournalist.
0: Yeah, and so, he goes around and just talks to people about victims of, you know, People who have passed away and from the drug war were killed. Yeah, and um, talking to the victims' families. Yeah, and so he really kind of gathers a lot of stories of how these people were killed. And so, yeah, as you follow him, you get a lot of different stories of victims and so you're not just getting like one victims a story you're getting like there's at least 10 victims stories yeah. in this documentary just from his side of things
1: yeah and the th- funny thing is like so one of the other povs that we see is from the person working in the funeral home right yeah. and so how this photo generalist is able to like quickly go into the these different crime scenes or yeah is that, that's what they are crime scenes and so how he's able to go there is by quickly go there is he actually hangs out with the person working in the funeral home and then they cat they um they receive news that oh there's been another death in this area and so they go together, kind of thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. they are friends. As you, yeah, you kind of understand yeah. that the the other guy that they do like follow for this documentary is this um guy, this older guy who works, or I think he might own the funeral services um mm. place of business. <laughs>
1: May- maybe um, more of like a manager.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it's. The name of the funeral services is Eusebio, and he looks like he could be Eusebio. So that, this is why I say that. They don't actually name him or the photojournalist. Like, we don't yeah. know their names. And so, yeah, I think, like, um, that is correct. Like, the photojournalist and the funeral services guy do hang out. And so, like, a lot of, like, they show one of the scenes where they got a call. Like, oh, you know, there's been, there's a body in barangay 46 46. and so they both go and yeah so those are two of the point of views the funeral services guy kind of has more of like the perspective or i guess he talks a little bit about like what happens to bodies that are either unclaimed you know like they find a body they don't know who it is they never identify it What did they do at that point? Um, Yeah, and also possible, like, people who come to him, families who come to him looking for a family member who they think might have died, but are essentially missing at this point, you know, like, nobody knows where they are. And so they're looking for them at funeral homes to just get a sense of, like, did my cousin pop up somewhere you know um yeah because there are a lot also a lot of missing people you know like there are a lot of dead bodies that are found but there's also on the other side of it a lot of dead bodies that are not found yeah possible they might be alive and who knows yeah um and so yeah so those two point of views and then there's a third point of view of um and this one i think is the most interesting one it's this little kid Mm -hmm. whose name is Jomari Jomari yeah he's actually I think it's it's nice seeing his perspective on things because it does kind of lighten the the documentary a little bit you know he is this very like makulit child he's
1: a he's he's an affable
0: yeah he's a personality yeah
1: he's quite the personality (laughs) I mean like definitely like when you take a step back and like and understand his life it is kind of sad yeah but he yeah because of who he is as a person it's kind of okay i mean it part of it is it's a reflection really of philippine society wherein like they make light of really dark aspects of filipino life
0: yeah i think also as a kid you know like there are like obviously a lot of Things that have happened in his life that is not good you know he was living in the streets um uh, because his mom and his dad were in prison and there's this older kid you it starts off with him like at a funeral for this older kid who he looked up to as like an older brother who was looking after him yes yeah, in so, the streets
1: so uh the the older brother was kian de los santos who was actually whose death was actually like very well pub- publicized during that time because he was 17 he was not known to be affiliated with any sort of like drug use whatsoever he was just a victim of circumstance and so people were calling for accountability on his death um but yeah yeah
0: yeah, so mari is friends with Kian and so that is how I think the interviewer the maker of this documentary Alex Arumpak like you know found the kid and started talking to him and realized that you know this kid's really interesting and so started to kind of follow his life. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it's it's an interesting way of like, you know, like most of the stories in this documentary are victims and I think it kind of frames Muddy as a victim too, but not in like a sense of like, yeah, he, no, yeah, you know, obviously is alive and, you know, is able to kind of like cope with the circumstances, but he is a victim in terms of like his mom was in jail because she was accused or she was a user, but you know, she was put in jail because of it. And yeah. so, you know, that is like, A circumstance that now he has to deal with because he doesn't have his family around him, Mm -hmm. and I think it's an like an interesting way of following, you know, like what happens to other people who are not directly a victim of the drug war.
1: Okay, so earlier we were talking about like you know the voiceover, which to me you know was kind of like a poem in some ways, right, and so. It kind of leads me into one scene that stood out it's one scene that stood out to me not necessarily because it's oh it's such like a like a brutal scene or anything like that. it's just more like on a on a filmmaking from a filmmaking lens i guess <laughs> like it's uh it stood out to me it was the scene where the men who were flagellating themselves were like walking down the street in Catholic and like old school catholic tradition traditions uh, during holy week usually as a way to show like repentance that sort of thing or you know sacrifice yourself to the lord men would have like e- usually like whips or basically a way of striking themselves in the back as a way as a as a form of penance if you've seen um da vinci code uh the movie that's it's that's what paul bettany's character is doing like in between scenes where he's like doing penance he's like hitting himself with like a whip of sorts and so in this scene instead of like an actual whip it's more like bamboo yeah bamboos uh, like like formed into like like a whip-like structure and then like they hit themselves in the back
0: it was definitely some sort of like a wood yeah a hard not hard but like a a wood type of thing that is a bunch of different it's like a bunch of pieces of wood yeah stuck to like a handle mm-hmm. and then all of those pieces hit your back like yeah. multiple of them at the at the same time it's not just one stick of wood or anything like that yeah yeah
1: and so, and like these men were walking down the street with like wearing masks as well. Again, it's like it's like a, like a, a form of penance in some ways. So there's like five or six of them and they're walking down the street. And the th- the reason why it stood out to me and why I wanted to talk about it was basically because it like the effect was just like, I mean, I know it's not the word that I would want to use in a movie like this, but that in that particular scene that effect looked really cool especially how so like when the those wooden things would create a sound when they whenever they would hit themselves and all of them would do it in sync and so in the documentary the score during that scene was actually in time with them hitting themselves and so it was just like a like kudos to whoever did. I'm uh, sorry I didn't catch who did the music score, but it was kudos to whoever did because that particular scene, like that, that was really good, and and it just, it just speaks to like the art the artistry that came into making this this documentary, because yeah, like definitely, like we should definitely take away like oh the message of the documentary itself, you know, in terms. Yeah. Uh, but also there's just like also a lot of good filmmaking that went into the making of this documentary.
0: Yeah, that's true. in the terms of the message of that scene, though, and I thought that 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 scene to me, I guess was really interesting because of the way that they framed like I guess forgiveness or like asking for forgiveness as an interesting you know like i guess like part of the the drug war right is like targeting drug users and so like one of the um one of the i guess big questions regarding targeting drug users is like what if you know, they, sorry, one of the big questions about targeting drug users is like, why are they killing them outright versus putting them in jail or like, you know, having them or yeah, having them have a trial or having them kind of like, you know, be able to kind of Face the consequences without yeah. like losing their lives, you know. And That's so, true. yeah, um, yeah, that was one of the messages, I guess, of the documentary, or I guess a, a, a theme that they've brought up is just like asking for forgiveness, you know. Yeah. People are asking for forgiveness, yeah, like, even, they, even at,
1: at the moment where they are faced with the gu- the barrel of the gun of the police officer,
0: yeah, they're they, begging for mercy, mercy,
1: mercy and, and yet,
0: and yet, there's no mercy to be found yeah in this drug war
1: yeah it and did... so
0: yeah i think that you know bringing in the penance scene where they are where yeah the the men were doing the flagellation mm-hmm. is like right at the moment where they're talking about asking for forgiveness i thought it was like a really good like yeah you know point made
1: yeah definitely
0: yeah, they also brought in a few different scenes that are related to asking for forgiveness as well. So one of them is there's this mass, a church service, um, where I think we mentioned um when Edu and I were talking about it, that it was set in Baclaran Church.
1: It's, it, it seemed like it was in Baclaran Church. Yeah,
0: because yeah, we were like, where is this? And it was like full of people, you know, and a lot of the prayers in Catholic masses are about asking for forgiveness. So it was kind of just them like, you know, Mm -hmm. taking scenes of people doing their normal prayers during mass. And all of those like verses that were, you know, mentioned during that clip was like, you know, please forgive us. Yeah. You know, kind of, like, making that point that, again, like, Philippine society, and I would say, like, you know, a lot of, there's, you know, a majority of the Philippines is Catholic. Not all, but a majority. Mm -hmm. And there is a lot of, like, already built-in guilt and shame from Catholicism that is, you know, like, similar to, I guess, like, the guilt and shame that you might have from being like somebody who may have used drugs maybe related to you know dealing or or anything of that sort and how like as a society there is already like a lot of asking for forgiveness and yet there is no <laughs> forgiveness <Yeah>. no not,
1: <laughs> not 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 under the thereth presidency that's for sure yeah. I mean the thing is like yeah there is a, um, a colloquialism that popped out there as a result of uh, this whole yeah the drug war was nanlaban and so which is which means uh fought, which uh, roughly translates to fought back and so a lot of times when police the police are questioning oh why did you. Kill this person instead of yeah just just arresting them and then they would always say ay nun laban they fought back we tried to take them in you know uh, in an orderly fashion but they fought back we kill- we had to shoot them and so yeah and so that in a as you know that word has suddenly permeated into the uh, vernacular. Uh, in the Philippines where like people would just say laban," you know as and but that's where it came from where yeah it's it became a a thing that the police would say and so I don't know it's it's just like even even then that, does that you know justify justify
0: yeah no it does not justify the killings, for sure. But yeah, it is interesting that there are a lot of families, you know, that were interviewed in this documentary that talk about how they were right there when their family member was killed. And the police report would say like, oh, then Laban, you know, they fought back. And that's why we killed them, and yet the family members who were right there when their, you know, husband, whoever, was killed, and they know that that police report is an outright lie, you know, they were right there, they're a witness, and yet, you know, the police is just saying all these things to kind of justify what they did. Yeah. Like it's just, <laughs> Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not okay.
1: Yeah, definitely not. Oh my gosh.
0: There's also that other scene where, um, so there was this mom who talks about how in the police report, I think, um, they talk about how her son was on a motorcycle with a drug user. And so that's why he was killed. I think so. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah. And I think that's the reason, you know, that they've reported that that's why he was killed. And so she, she just found, you know, she wasn't there. She found out somehow that her son was killed and she's like, why did this happen? And that was the explanation that was given to her was that he was on a motorcycle with a drug user. And she's just like questioning all of these things because her son doesn't have a motorcycle. And like, never been on a motorcycle and she doesn't know anyone who he might be friends with who is using drugs and so she's like he's a good boy like i would never even hurt him like slap him for anything bad that he's done before and so and now all of a sudden he's dead you know and so i think like to me that was also an interesting one where like you know It seems like they might have been lying on that police report or at least, like, in her perspective. Yeah, they're just, like, fudging facts, basically, to kind of justify.
1: And because, like, uh, if you think about it, a lot of times the people who, you know, died because of the drug war aren't necessarily drug users. They're, you know, just victims in the crossfire. And, And so... I mean, the thing is like, so even in like sometime around 2008, 2009, there was a, so I mentioned like Duterte had like his death, his death squads. And so one of the victims of the death squad was a, was a child, um, because the child was like caught in the crossfire. When that, you know, when, when that came about, there was no sense of accountability With with that death. It was just like, oh well, you know, collateral damage. I mean, that was sort of the the attitude towards it. And so like for a lot of the victims here, like, you know, and yeah, even when they the head of police would talk about it, they would say, you know, it's war, people die. That's how they would justify, you know, some of these innocent people dying. Gosh, this is really sad. I'm so depressed right now. Yeah,
0: me too. It's it's
1: it's a lot. You know, like
0: I get that that's what they're saying, but it's also just like in the larger picture sense of humanity. Like, is that really how you want to, you know? Yeah. Justify your actions.
1: And the thing is, like, you know, we, you know, there's studies and studies show that drug users aren't really the people. They're not essentially criminals. They're just, they're actually just victims of their own afflictions, you know?
0: Yeah. Because like addiction uh, is, yeah, is its own disease. disease. And so like, you know, in some sense, like they're not, you know, in control of that situation. Yeah. Yeah. One of the, one of the more interesting scenes I think that kind of relates to that is this one scene of um, the interviewer talking to two guys who were literally lighting up Shabu. And so the two guys, you know, they talk about, yeah, like, we do drugs. And she asks them, like, aren't you afraid? And what, you know, they say next is... I thought it was really interesting, you know, they, they talk about, yeah, like, they do have this Bisho, their, you know. Their vice. Their vice. And so, they are poor. They talk about working multiple jobs where they have to stay up.
1: Ungodly hours. Yeah,
0: like in, you know, they don't really get much sleep and the Shabu actually helps them stay up. You know, like it's an upper. Mm-hmm. And so part of it is like the root cause of it is like their economic status of poverty. You know, like yeah. they not having enough money to be able to, you know, feed themselves and their families. And in order to be able to work those jobs that would allow them to be able to afford to live is staying up and the shabu helps them with that
1: yeah i mean if you think about it it's it's you can like liken it to let's say a student who decides to do for Adderall for or, yeah or to like add for like a day or two just so like they can they can like go and study and do the exams and then finally you know just uh go to sleep after
0: yeah or an athlete doing steroids Or, you know, like somebody, yeah, like basically there is a cause. You know, people don't just Mm -hmm. decide they're going to do drugs just because, you know, like a lot of the times there is a reason. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the reason is systemic. And the fact is that there are a lot of poor people in the Philippines who use drugs because they are in a situation where they might either it might help them. Yeah. Or like they might just addiction. Yeah. As we mentioned, you know, like it's and, sometimes you can't stop.
1: Yeah. And let's not forget like a lot of like the things all of these things happening are happening to almost exclusively to poor people. If not exclusively to poor people. These like this uh this oppression by the, by the government uh, with regards to drug use because like yeah like like rich people in the Philippines yeah I'm pretty sure are just like smoking weed doing cocaine like it's nobody's business and, and yet
0: they're targeting Shabu yeah. specifically
1: yeah because like yeah it's you know it's it's seen as like a um a poor person's drug mm-hmm. kind of thing
0: I think One of the interesting things, too, that is related to that, there is this one interview, I guess, that happens on the radio. It's kind of just like a voiceover on top of, like, a scene of somebody uh, in a taxi driving. So I guess they're listening to the radio and inside of the taxi. But it was, like, an interview with this um, police chief, you know, who was asked, why is the drug on war? War on... What? Why is the war on drugs specifically targeting poor people and not rich drug lords? Yeah, and then the police chief says, "Well, the problem is mostly with poor people, and so we're focusing there and it's like a very narrow minded answer, yeah, <laughs> that it's it it's not even like any sort of like justification." really like i was kind of expecting him to you know like make excuses and stuff and yet that was like actually a very straightforward answer it's the fact that they are profiling poor people because they know that poor people use shabu and so they're yeah. they're just like oh you're poor you must be using
1: yeah and, and the, you know they can't fight they don't have the means to fight back exactly. against the system and so
0: yeah That was also one of the things that the one of the two guys who was smoking was saying is that, you know, like a lot of the times like, yeah, I think one of the quotes I wrote down here is like money is the basis for justice, basically. So what they are saying is like a lot of the poor people are getting targeted because they don't have the means, again, similar to like what we talked about in Birdshot. We, we mentioned this in a previous episode, but, you know, like, the people who are poor end up being the ones who are jailed or killed because they don't have the money to pay police off in order to live or be left alone. And so that's the reality of it, is that, you know, justice is bought off.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's not just justice, but just, like, even life and yeah, you know, so I was talking to my mom earlier and so, yeah, at the time of this recording, COVID cases are like spiking. They're rising in the Philippines right now. Like the hospital beds are full. So I was talking to my mom earlier and she mentioned that right now, if you want to be admitted to the hospital, you need to make a down payment of 50,000 pesos which is like a thousand dollars. First of all, fifty thousand pesos is already a lot of money. Even in, like in the Philippines, it's already a lot of money because like even here, it's already a lot. A thousand bucks is already a lot of money. Yeah, not and a- for
0: Filipinos who might have COVID, who are disproportionately poor, yeah, they're not just gonna have fifty thousand dollars lying about to yeah. spend at the hospital. Yeah.
1: yeah, even like even like some people in the middle class don't have fifty thousand pesos lying exactly, around. Exactly. Yeah. So. That just goes to show, like, the dire situation in the Philippines and just how, yeah, basically the rich are really at an advantage in, com- in comparison to the poor people and, like, the poor people are disproportionately affected by the system. Sadness.
0: Yeah. Oh, is there another scene that you want to talk about in particular?
1: Another scene? Yeah. Oh my gosh. There are many. There's, I have the, many. Several. There's a lot. There's one, but I think we should do that one last. Let's talk about Jomari, cause like let's let's lighten it up a bit. Yeah. Let's talk about Jomari.
0: Let's talk about the kid who's uh super mongolet It's so funny, cause um I think it was kind of just like a happenstance that the interviewer was able to run into John Murray at that funeral and then like, you know, he was like, yeah, sure. Come follow me. <laughs> Come look for me. I I am down to talk and he he is like very talkative and so it's really entertaining, you know, just interviewing him. Yeah. And I think one of the most interesting scenes for me with John Murray in it was, you know, like at the very beginning when it was like at the funeral, he was talking about how his mom taught him that the police is the enemy. That, you know, when you see a police, you run. And that's like what his mom taught him because, you know, his mom was using. And so she knows that she might get targeted. And so if, you know, the her kid is there, she doesn't want him hurt. And so she's teaching him to be like, hey, you see a cop, you run. And yet there's a scene where John Muddy was hanging out with a bunch of other kids and the other kids were like, yeah, well, you know, like, what do you, what do you want to do? What do you want to be kind of thing when you grow up? And he says, I want to be a cop. And I thought that that was like a really interesting scene because he, he doesn't really have a reason of why he wants to be a cop. It's, I think it's mostly just like kids think of like professions and stuff. And like a cop does have like power, I guess. And so, like, as a kid, you were like, yeah, I'm going to be, like, powerful, you know. Like, same reason why kids want to be, like, superheroes or, you know, something like that.
1: Although, it's- I think I think part of it is because in his eyes, he's never seen a dead cop. That's you know, true. It's yeah. mostly like, oh, who's, who's dead? Oh, it's my neighbor. Oh, it's my friend. And so, is it a dead cop? No. Yeah. Because we no. know. Yeah.
0: We know that they have power, and so if, you know, if you're a kid, you aspire to, like, have that level of power. And so one of the other kids calls him out on this on what he wants to be and i thought that was a really funny response from the other kid the other kid's like oh you want to be a cop you mean the same cop that put your mom in jail and i was like oh shit (laughs) ouch jesus (laughs) yeah those kids were were just savage savage. like they were just straight on with him you know like they they I think it was just kind of, like, the dynamic of their friend group or something, but they definitely were just, like, going back and forth at each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they they also, like, have a scene with John Marie, like, with the interviewer. So the interviewer is, like, following Jo Marie for a while at this point, And so Jomari asks the interviewer if she could buy him slippers.
1: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> And so, like they they go to this like oh let's let's go here Let, let's go to the store I want I want these slippers oh and also can you get me this jersey as well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: and so he just like asks her like hey yeah. uh can I can I have these slippers can I have the this shirt and stuff and like she's like yeah okay yeah and so she buys him this sh- like jersey and stuff and so he um uh, you know like you get you get the sense he starts talking about um. His mom who's in jail as we know about going to visit her and so he's like really excited to get the jersey because he's like yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna wear this on visitation day I'm gonna look good I'm gonna clean up because you know he is he's he was living in the streets and so he was a little bit like a little bit dirty looking and so he was like yeah I'm gonna go you know take a bath or something um,
1: and then oh, the...
0: this there's a scene where like it's literally like just like outside of a building it says like there's like a sign that says like bawal maligo dito it's, it means like don't shower here don't take a bath here and then like he comes out of uh, that same bathroom looking all fresh and clean <laughs> and clearly yeah. he like showered there yeah,
1: took a bath <laughs>
0: good one I mean, oh,
1: it's funny because like uh, uh, I like how they were explaining he would go on to visitation days by himself. Yeah. But part of it was that if, say, like, you know, like the people working in the prison would be like, who's this random kid? You know, they might not let him in kind of thing. But
0: he what always he would finds do, a way. Yeah, yeah.
1: what he would apparently do is like he would ask whoever's like, Part of like oh like so, oh is someone visiting someone else was visiting, he would like say oh can I just join your party, and then I'll just look for my mom like don't worry about it kind yeah. of thing.
0: <laughs> he's a, he's a very smart kid like he really knew how to take care of himself. Yeah. Um and even like so one of the one of the best things about Jomari's story is at the very end they show his mom and they show his mom out of prison and taking care of him and so they interview his mom. And his mom kind of talks about Jomari and she's like, yeah, you know, it was really great when he would um, come to visit me because he would always bring food. And, you know, like I never had to worry about this kid because he can take care of himself and he was also taking care of me. And so it was just like a really sweet, you know, like moment of like, oh, you realize that? Yeah, like, you know, Jomari does a lot of the things that he does for his mom. Mm-hmm. um, And yet, like, yeah, he, he's a kid, but... Like, you know.
1: I mean, if you think about it, maybe the reason why he actually wants to be a cop is so that, he, that uh, he can keep his mom out of jail, if you think about it.
0: Yeah, maybe. He can protect her.
1: Yeah, and he can just be like... You know, he can just like vouch for like, oh, no, don't throw her in jail kind of thing.
0: Yeah. No. Oh, that's... Um, I mean, it would be nice if there was a world where he could be a cop, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Because... And be able to, you know...
1: Afford an education. Yeah,
0: exactly. Because they talk a lot about, like... Well, when he was talking with his friends about being a cop, you know, they were talking about how, like, you know, he can't miss any school or else he can't be a cop. And so, like, I feel like, you know, he would really need to be, like, in school and be in, like, a stable situation in order for him to be able to, you know, aspire to that profession yeah and yeah sadly
1: mm. oh john murray, ah, I hope
0: john you're murray.
1: There. oh yeah. my gosh you know, you know so in you know, so like there was like so like whole part where like they're uh the uh they were looking for john murray because like he he, had, he hadn't shown up in like months oh yeah and so and so for like a brief moment there i was like i hope to god he's alive
0: <laughs> you know you know what the best thing about that part was Okay, well, first, like, there was there was that fear, you know, like, because the interviewer kept on, like, going around. Yeah, like, she was looking for him and the old neighborhood where he was at. And then, like, you know, people would direct her towards, like, oh, we think he's over here. And then, you know, she would ask other people in that location where if they know jo Marie, if they've seen him, and then those people would point her in another direction. With, where and Until eventually she did find him. And so... I thought that the best part of that was the fact that he knew so many people this kid is like pretty fucking famous on the streets for some reason and like you know like the the funny thing is like yeah like like and you know like it is funny because he is very memorable because he is so like he's such a personality that you know people are like oh yeah that kid That kid who's like super mahalet. Right, Mm -hmm. I remember him. But the other part too is like, you realize that people on the street kind of end up taking care of each other. Oh yeah. You know, like, like I think, yeah, like a lot. She asked a lot of people about Jomari. And the fact is like, yeah, like they end up kind of like keeping an eye out for each other. Keeping an eye out of who's in the streets in this neighborhood that they're in because like the end of the day like that's all you have sometimes you know like and if and if you're alone in the streets you kind of like end up turning to you know the people around you yeah and so I thought that that was actually really also a little bit of a heartwarming thing that everybody remembered who he is and was able to kind of like even though he wasn't in the neighborhood anymore or able to like keep track and be like oh yeah we think he's over there he usually spends time you know like visiting his mom and stuff yeah yeah and i'm glad that the interviewer eventually found him and that he was with his mom yeah that was nice the last thing that i want to bring up last scene that i think is definitely worth talking yeah. about so wait, wait. Is it is one of the most depressing ones
1: yeah now here's the thing um do we want to talk about it or do we want to just like vaguely suggest it and then have the listeners look it up because god it is depressing
0: god is awful
1: <laughs> and it's one well,
0: of. i want to talk a little bit about it okay but maybe you know the if you're listening to this I think you should also look it up.
1: Yeah, I would highly encourage because, like, I I did know about this like when the news came out, and
0: I had not heard about this before. It was and it, it
1: was so fucked up. Like, it's like, oh.
0: shocking. And
1: um, and I mean, like, if you watch the do- if if you're listening to this and you've if you haven't seen the documentary,
0: just watch it. Just go
1: watch it, and and you will know the scene that we're talking about, and then you can come back to this point. In the podcast. And then you will know the scene that we're talking about. Because holy fuck. It is messed up.
0: Yeah. So yeah. It starts off with a woman. And who kind of talks about like how she ended up in this like pseudo kidnapping slash jail situation. So she doesn't show her face. Part of it is because this whole mess is... So fucked up. I don't yeah, think she, it, it, wa- she it, it, really it, wanted it, to talk about it. It is,
1: uh, it is a real like human rights violation.
0: Yeah. So yeah. So she talks about how there was this jail, um, and she kind of draws it out.
1: Wait. Here's the thing: jail in quotation marks. Yeah. Let l- l- let me be let let me clear on that. Jail in quotation
0: marks. Okay, yeah, continue. She, she draws it on a you know notepad, kind of thing because the interviewer was asking like you know how was it set up in there because it's such like a cramped place that you know like how did they all fit basically is like the question yeah so so she talks about this jail in this cabinet and at first i was like a behind a cabinet what is happening you know like i i really was like i didn't understand because i i hadn't heard about this before the scene jumps To this, like, media frenzy, which is, like, you know, you realize when they found out about this cabinet jail, it became, like, top news in the Philippines um, because of how fucked up it is, basically. So there's this guy who, like, goes up to, like, a bookshelf, and he, like, shoves the bookshelf out of the way, and then all of a sudden inside there's, like, all of these people. In like a hidden, basically, it's like a hidden doorway yeah. to like a very mm-hmm. cramped, mm-hmm. like pseudo jail. As- yeah.
1: Oh, uh, just to give you an idea, this this bookshelf, this cabinet, is not even like a wide bookshelf. It's so think of a standard door. Think now the the shelf is like half of that door. Yeah. That's how yeah. that's how big that's how cramped it is. That's how because like, um, the opening, that's pretty much like all the space that the people have in that.
0: Yeah in
1: that space yeah
0: and so it just goes deeper in there but it's the same width it's mm-hmm. not like so yeah the doorway is the width that it is and then like it just keeps going deeper into that area and then they put up like some sort of bars i guess in order to like house like or separate the men and the women who are being jailed there and apparently there were like at least about 30 people who have come in and out at least in that area. And at one point, I think there were 30 people in there. Yeah. At most. And so, in order... Like, think about it. <laughs> Just, like, how cramped it was.
1: Yeah. Like, you can't... Like, you cannot walk around other people to get out. You have to wait for the person in front to get out in order for you to get out if you were behind.
0: And the fact was, like, these people were being kept there as not because they're actual it's not actual jail so the police took these people and they never charged them any sort of crime or anything
1: and they've been there for days they have been there
0: weeks Mm -hmm. basically or i think maybe a little bit more than a week yeah um and What they did was they would take people who they suspect might be drug users, but they don't actually know.
1: Yeah. Or, you know. just anyone. Maybe they just say that they suspect them, but.
0: Exactly. And then they would contact their family and ask for money in exchange for setting. Bail. Yeah. Bail, basically. Quote, Quote unquote, unquote, "bail," bail. bail. Because there was never actually any charges written up. Yeah. And so it's literally it's like kidnapping for ransom. Like that's yeah. how they phrase it and I, that is correct. Yeah. You know that's they're asking for ransom. Yeah. And yeah, there are basically like prices on these people's heads, you know, like one guy was talking about how they were asking his family for a 100,000 pesos for him to be set free. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh.
0: I I don't even know how this happened you know like there is only the context of like when they found out that this is happening and the woman's like recollection of what happened but the fact was like what sort of police officer was all of a sudden just like yeah i'm gonna keep a bunch of people in this back area and why is there a back area why is there some sort of a hidden yeah area behind a bookshelf yeah why it was
1: yeah the the fact that they that they had it behind a bookshelf already tells you that oh this is this is not something that's out in the oven they were trying like i like how the the cop was trying to say like oh no this is just a jail shell, jail cell kind of thing but the thing is like yeah it's hidden you know that's one number two number two actually there's no number so that's it this is this is fucked up and like there's no light in this room you know there
0: was no light so everything that was happening was in the dark there were there was not really plumbing so people were peeing and shitting like and living in their own filth basically in this area you know like so when you the woman who's recollecting her experience said that yeah like right when they opened it she smelled you know urine and and, feces and yeah. like it just smelled horrible and so you know and then she was pushed in there and that's it like she all of a sudden she was in this whatever jail
1: yeah and they would only get light whenever someone would open the cabinet and so oh my gosh this, yeah. yeah this scene like so I would encourage people to yeah look uh, definitely look it up but um or yeah watch this scene or oh my gosh it just
0: is it is so it yeah it yeah. is
1: it is a lot like uh even like so when i read it you know I, i've known about it because like i would i've seen people like share it on social media and stuff but then even as i saw it it was just like god
0: there was a one part where the so the photojournalist was the the character that we kind of follow through this documentary, the photojournalist, he ends up being at this scene when they, you know, find the cabinet. And afterwards, he talks about how, like, basically what they did, what the police did to cover this whole thing up was they then filed actual paperwork, charging everybody that was in that cabinet jail with actual crimes and putting them in actual jail afterwards and so like these people went from one jail to another yeah they were never rescued from this horrible situation which is the most fucked up part is like the fact that you know they went through basically think about like you know people who we find in bunkers who are kidnapped and then like all of a sudden pe- putting those people who are victims in jail yeah for some reason or another that they're just made up at this point and mm-hmm. so like you know like you're you're taking like people who went from something super traumatizing and then like all of a sudden you're putting them at fault for something and then like yeah it's just it's really fucked up that that one that part was what really like Brought it to head, you know, like knowing that these people didn't even get any sort of justice. Yeah, for being in that horrible situation, well, the police was all of a sudden just like, yeah, yeah, you know, these are prisoners.
1: We'll take them to actual jail, and it's like, I mean, granted, actual jail might be a might be an upgrade compared to the living situation in. But that they cab- still, yeah, in that, but it's still it's still not, you know. Because, like, at the end of the day, like, if you're put in a situation where you were essentially dehumanized, yeah, you would at least hope that you would be, you know, freed at some yeah. at some point, you know. The... But instead, you're just like, oh, we're just gonna put you in another jail. Uh, we're just gonna put you in another prison it's Um, just like
0: a continuation of the hell that they were living in like
1: it's gonna be better than your than the previous one but it's still gonna be cramped it's still going to be not ideal yeah (laughs) it it, not ideal is putting it lightly (laughs) by the way Mm
0: -hmm. yeah yep well that yeah and that was kind of like the end of the documentary you know like that was one of the last things that they featured and it it, yeah it really does come to head at that point where you're like wow like this is so fucked up um and like you know everything leading up with that to that was already fucked up and this is like the most fucked up thing i've ever heard of and so that's yeah yeah. oof, yeah Yeah. it's not okay anyway Um, we told you this was gonna be depressing
1: yeah any final thoughts
0: i think what the message of this story is is that you know we shouldn't just be like killing people who have done something wrong like use drugs or Mm -hmm. like put them throw them away in prison because then like yeah there are the victims of that but there's also like the indirect victims of that you know the family members who then have to deal with losing their loved ones and and just in general this sense of fear that is now being like brought on by this system that Uh is putting people away
1: and i think the other thing to take away from this documentary is that the people governing the state shouldn't govern through the lens of oh you do bad you go this happens to you you go to jail you die you know it should always be Governed through the lens of empathy and accountability, because that's what's happening. That's what's not happening in the uh, in the current drug war in the Philippines, where like the cops aren't, you know, like they aren't showing empathy to these people that they're oppressing. And at the same time, whenever they're called out or they've been caught in doing something that they shouldn't be doing,
0: as fucked up as the cabinet jail, yeah,
1: they you know like no one's held accountable for it.
0: Yeah, you know. there is no check. Yeah, like a system in place to keep them in check. Yep. Yeah. That I just guess power run rampant, like you know, yeah. just abuse of power. Really, is what's happening there. So yeah, there we go.
1: Okay. And that concludes today's episode.
0: <laughs> Holy crap! Oh yeah, my gosh. that the, the, was dark. I'm so it's sorry. It's also a
1: long one, so we apologize but man there's just like a lot to unpack yep you know for a documentary that again was one hour and 24 minutes including credits yeah yeah
0: i mean we've talked for that long Mm -hmm. (laughs) at this point
1: yeah Yeah, and here's the thing like there Kat and i had conversations in between this conversation like we had to pause because like we had to like like i guess like Work through all of the weeds that we wanted to work through. And this was as concise as we could get with this conversation. But oh my gosh. Yeah,
0: you were listening to the edited version of this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. Well, anyway, uh, on to a lighter topic. We let- <laughs> are doing a fun movie for next week to yes. make up for how sad this week movie was and
1: the last and i mean like it's and the been last like one.
0: yeah it's been a few house. sad movies since you know i mean if you listen to wake up little Susie that one was fun but <laughs> yeah we had two sad movies after that and then now we're going to a comedy because i get to pick and i want something lighter <laughs> and so my pick for next week is uh, a movie that i watched when i so i went to visit the philippines and it was just like on the tv just like on network tv um this movie and i watched it and i thought it was really funny and so i wanted to kind of watch it with ado and talk about it and this movie is called The another's it stars vong navarro and tony gonzaga
1: does it start going to Tony Gans- I, I I have not seen this movie. So. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. So it is Vong Navara and Tony, Tony Gansag. And um, yeah, it, it came out in 2005. It is a horror comedy. And so, yeah, I am excited to talk about it and to watch it again for the second time. All right. <laughs> I really yeah. enjoyed it the first time too. So yeah. <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm, and I'm looking forward to watching it. Though. Yeah.
0: It is on... TFC.tv.
1: Yes. Uh, it is on TFC.tv. And also like, but if you don't have access to TFC.tv or you don't don't want to make your own account, it's also on Amazon Prime, I believe.
0: Yes. Or it is... not
1: Prime, but uh, for rent.
0: Yes, exactly. Okay, so rent. it is for rent on Amazon Prime. And so you could either make an account on TFC.tv and watch it for free, which, you know. With ads. You should. With oh, ads. yeah, with ads. But, you know, you could also have an ad blocker on your computer. Wink, wink. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or <laughs> you could watch it on using Amazon Prime and rent it for I think four dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Those oh. are your options.
1: Did we we didn't mention where to watch a swang, huh?
0: Yeah. Uh, you talked about it in the previous episode but you didn't talk about it for this episode.
1: Oh, okay. Yet. So for those who are interested in watching swang, I saw it I bought it on iTunes so you can check it out there. I'm not sure if it's on Amazon Video as well, but yeah. Um, if you want to go, it's on iTunes Movies, I believe. And
0: apparently, it is available on. It is available for rent, on YouTube.
1: Oh, cool! Nice. So for there. For eight dollars. Okay, that's good.
0: And then. Also available on Apple TV for eleven dollars. Is-
1: mm-hmm. For rent or for purchase?
0: I don't. I'm not sure. I think it's for purchase. Okay. Well, it just yeah. said, that is what it says on Google. I'm just
1: okay. Sounds stating,
0: good. Stating stating facts. Yeah. now <laughs> okay
1: Okay. Oh, okay. Um. I guess that's it. That's it. But Again. Yes. Do follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at film, the film Pod and if you haven't done so already please give us a rating on itunes or wherever you get your podcast spotify or anchor wherever like you're allowed to like put up reviews you know do so um just give us five stars don't give us you know once please don't give us one star but i guess if you want to no whatever
0: no i forbid you
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right and i guess that's it for today's episode of film a film Uh, we will catch you next week for the anothers so till then bye-bye